This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Awesome. Okay, back to Luke. Um, <coughs> previously on Line of Duty. <laughs> okay, so last week, for those of you that weren't here and didn't hear uh, Lydia's message, you'll have to see it now to understand the gag. Okay. Um, <coughs> But she was talking about, uh, we were looking at that piece where Jesus is basically brought before Pilate and he's brought before Herod. Um, and then he goes back uh, to Pilate again. And uh, we're, we're picking it, Luke 23, 18 to 25 is where we're on now. And Pilate is literally just talking to the crowd. Um, and he says to the crowd, uh, basically along the lines, that he finds no cause of death, but I will therefore chastise him and release him. So incredible really, isn't it? I find no cause of death, but Pilate is still going to punish Jesus in some way. So we, we have this crowd, and it's good to just remind us who's in the crowd, okay? Because we're going to be looking at the crowd today a little bit. So the, the title of my message is The Crowd Makes Its Choice, or The Power of the Crowd. Okay, so back in Luke twenty-three thirteen. Uh, it says, then Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. So that's the crowd that's in front when uh, Pilate makes his announcement. His announcement that he's going to basically chastise Jesus and then release him. And then we pick it up in verse 18 of Luke chapter 23. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas who had been thrown into prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. Pilate, therefore wishing to release Jesus, again called out to them, but they shouted, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Then he said to them the third time, Why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But they were insistent and demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. And he released to them the one they requested, who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Okay, incredible. So I've actually got three points to my message this week. Normally I'm just going through literally verse by verse, but it's really looking at the whole thing in, in context and kind of picking out three different aspects that I want to do. So I want to look at how the crowd chose, and basically, as I said, the power of the crowd. I want to look at Barabbas, um, who is this character, and, and what's that picture of to us. And then I want to talk very briefly about persecution of the Jews, uh, which really comes out in something the crowd says in one of the other accounts. So, the power of the crowd. So, I find this actually incredible, isn't it? So, less than a week before, 
Jesus is riding on a donkey into Jerusalem and the crowd are crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, and here we have the crowd basically baying for his death. All right? So, you know, how can things turn around like that? So I can speculate a bit. I mean, you can speculate a bit too. Um, one of the things that we've talked about is the reaction of the disciples when Jesus came to be arrested. This was not the script for Messiah, okay? Messiah was basically about to, right now, overthrow the Romans. This was it. The stage was set. He'd marched in Jerusalem. He'd rode into Jerusalem the week before, which was a picture from the prophets that Messiah would do that. So Jesus was saying, I'm Messiah. And here we have Messiah being arrested, literally standing before the crowd, showing no demonstration of power. So what's going on? Discouragement, anger maybe, all those things. Um, completely understandable. And that's certainly what happened to the disciples, isn't it? They were almost maybe even disillusioned with, with, with what had been going on. Um, but what was going on with this crowd here is the crowd was being influenced. Okay, uh, The crowd was being moved. Some might say it was being manipulated. Um, there was certainly a group of individuals that were controlling the crowd. Okay, When we read Matthew's account, we see that. Matthew 27, verse 20. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So we have a small group in proportion to the size of the crowd. And they are steering the crowd where they want to go. Not where, they, not where the crowd necessarily wants to go, but where the priests and the elders want to go. So I want to talk about that for a while. I want to talk about the power of the crowd and the power of a small group of individuals in that crowd that can steer it. Now, if you don't believe crowds can be moved, I don't know, anybody seen uh, traitors? Okay. Um, it's okay, you can pray for me later. All right? <laughs> I didn't see the second season, but I did see the first season. Okay, uh, no, I, I didn't see many hands up there. So. I know. It's, it's, obviously, a very holy church we have here. Yeah, so. <clears throat> so, okay, so I'm going to have to explain now because you don't see it. All right. So basically, the idea of traitors is there's, there's a sum of a pot of money which is accumulated through the program. And there's a small number of people that are called traitors. There's two or three of them. And their goal is to win the cash. And they do that by basically um, hiding in plain sight. Um, and at the end of each episode... The whole group of people, so the, the traitors are in the midst with all these other people which are called faithfuls, and they discuss who they're going to get rid of that week. And it is incredible to watch, all right, group behavior, where one person who happens to be a traitor just suggests that maybe a traitor is actually one of the goodies, and suddenly the whole crowd follows. It's incredible the way they could steer the crowd. 
Now, you know it's true, don't you? You know, you, you see it at work. You see it in the workplace. You see it at school, even. Group behavior. And as Christians, we need to know that because sometimes we need to stand up and be counted. Sometimes we need to be able to hold out against the crowd. There's uh, the, the, the caption, not the caption, what's, what they, they call it, the creatives. Basically, the, the title sequence that starts of The Chosen, I don't know if they still do it, I've not seen it for a while. Yeah, yeah exactly, it's the fish. Fish going around, you start to see a fish going against the current. And we need to do that sometimes. We need to, to recognize and not go with the crowd. And sometimes we're going to have to stand out and go against the crowd. See, when you're in a crowd that's very supportive, it's very easy to go with the crowd. Okay, so last week it was brilliant because there were people getting baptized. We're all rooting for them, okay? So there's lots of cheering going on and encouragement, which was great, and that's fantastic. But when you're out there, most of the time the crowd's going in the opposite direction. And it, I know, maybe I'm just an old man, all right? And I'm becoming a grumpy old man, you know? I don't believe it! <laughs> but it just feels like it's getting worse. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 yeah, just crazy stuff. So we have to learn to stand out in the crowd out there. And to be able to learn to stand out in the crowd out there, we need to make sure we're in the right crowd in here. So... If you're on your own as a Christian, it's a very dangerous place to be. You need to be in a crowd of Christians that can support you, encourage you, look out for you, uh, pray for you. If you miss church for a few weeks, they notice you, okay? They're not checking up on whether or not you've got a gold, you know, gold stars. I don't do that. Do they do that anymore? So when I was at infant school, if you uh, were at school every day, you got a little card with a gold star on it. So you talk about getting a gold star for attendance, right? So we don't give gold stars for attendance at church, but we do look out for you, okay? Um, so if you're watching online and you've not been to church for a while, please find one that you can feel secure in and you can give your gifts and they can support you uh, in Jesus' name. It's very dangerous to be... Um, so, standing out from the crowd. Um, so, also, one person can change a crowd in a good way. All right? um, I was reminded earlier of, uh, in Acts 17.6, I don't have it on the slides here, but um, <laughs> basically there, it's, there's a commotion going on. I think it's in Thessalonica. Uh, there's a commotion going on and the people are complaining about the Christians and they describe them as these people, it's uh, Acts 17.6, these people that have turned the world upside down. Incredible, isn't it? <laughs> these people have turned the world upside down. Um, do I go there? Yeah, I go there, Dave. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> So I've got to talk about something from the world, all right? It's an illustration from the world, but I think it paints an effective picture. Uh, as I share this illustration, it's about politics. So please, it's, it's about American politics, in fact. So as I'm sharing this, please don't think I'm a Democrat, 
all right, as I'm sharing it, because it's about a democratic party. Also, don't necessarily put me in with the Republicans either, okay? <laughs> all right. So, so I think my politics would be like, uh, I'm sort of right-wing socially, i.e. Christian, um, but economically, I'm probably left of centre, to be honest with you. I, you know, I believe in the National Health Service and things like that. But anyway, that's beside the... So, 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 I know, that's right. There's a lot, 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 lots of prayer for me later, isn't there? So, okay. Yeah, thank you. So, so there's, the story's about Barack Obama. So Barack Obama, he's going to speak at some small town. It's like two hours drive from anywhere. It's pouring with rain. And you can listen to this on the, on the internet, okay? Um, so Barack Obama, he, he arrives at this, like, school hall, basically. And he goes into this school hall. He's dripping wet. And there's about 20 people in there, and they're all dripping wet. And he said, he's thinking to himself, they don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And then he talks about this. Uh, this he, he described her as a little old lady wearing a church hat, um, but you also hear the story as she tells it. And she tells it, you know, he, he wasn't, he didn't look good. <laughs> Talking about the, you know, prospective candidate for Democratic Party running for the presidential election. So she starts, she starts saying, fired up, ready to go. Fired up, ready to go. And Barack Obama's thinking, okay, what's going on here? And he doesn't know. He doesn't know if she's going to be saying this for two minutes or 20. But anyway, he, 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 he's standing there listening to this lady going, fired up, ready to go. And she, keeps, she just keeps saying it. So he gets up to talk, and he's starting to think to himself, actually, I'm feeling pretty fired up. And he gets back on his bus, and he says to his team, he says, I'm feeling pretty fired up. And his team go, and ready to go. And that, and that became the tagline for their campaign. So fired up, ready to go. And in one of his speeches, he says, one, he said, one person changed the room. Yeah. One person changed the room. Come on, church. Yeah. One person can change a room. Yeah. One room can change a town. Yes. One town can change a county. Yeah. One county can change a country. One country can change the world. Yeah. They're talking about politics. I'm talking about Jesus. Yes. Amen? Yes. Fight up. Ready to go. Fight up. Ready to go. Hallelujah. Praise God. So anyway, you can look that one out. But um, it conveys the point. Okay? It conveys the point very well. Okay, Barabbas. Barabbas. Who was Barabbas? So in the, the, the NIV, I noticed, somebody said to me once, uh, Brabus was actually called Jesus Brabus, and I thought, where did they get that from? So the NIV actually uh, translates it as Jesus Brabus, and I think there's a few other translations, uh, but the ESV, uh, well, that's based on the same Greek anyway, they translate it Brabus, and elsewhere it's Brabus. So which is it? I don't know, but anyway. So Brabus is obviously Bar Abbas. Okay, so literally... Uh, Bar is son of, as like Ben in Arabic, and Abbas is Abba. So literally son of the father. Curious name, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Son of the father. Um, 
So here we, here we have a picture, really. I mean, he was a real person, obviously. But we have a picture of what's about to happen. And um, I, I sort of stole that, some of this from a, another person, but it just sums it up so beautifully here. So here we have a complete picture of the gospel in this example of Barabbas. Because as we turn our gaze on the sin of Barabbas, we see ourselves. So Barabbas was guilty of rebellion and murder. Okay, so rebellion, I don't know about you. Before I knew Jesus, I didn't want God in my life. Okay, so that's rebellion, isn't it? Um, murder, in the book of James, it, it speaks of when you break, if you break one commandment, you've broken them all. Okay, so in the commandments, it says you, you shouldn't lie. Okay, ever told a lie? No, you, you've not watched traitors, you've not told a lie. You? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I've told a lie, okay, before I got saved, even as being saved I've occasionally told the lie which thank you for your forgiveness Lord but it says if you break one you break them all so we're all guilty of murder okay if you told a lie you're guilty of murder so we can think "Ah, I'm not like Barabbas but actually in our sinful state we are Um, so like Barabbas sin separated sin separated us from God Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God Like Barabbas, the penalty for our sins against God is judgment, condemnation, and eternal separation from our creator. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Like Barabbas, we were on death row, waiting, hoping for someone to rescue us. Enter Jesus, son of God of the living God. Jesus, the only one worthy to be perfect substitute and to take our punishment. Jesus, the one who laid down his life for us, even as we lay crippled in our sin, guilt, and shame. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like Brabus, we owe our lives to the perfect, holy sacrificial lamb of God Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Christ hallelujah incredible <laughs> okay uh, persecution of the Jews lastly so when uh, if you look at this account that we read in Luke um, the response of the crowd if we read that same account from Matthew's uh, gospel it, it brings out some, some interesting other things um, so I'm going to read from Matthew 27, 23 to 26. Uh, then the governor said, or Pilate obviously, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out the more, that's the crowd, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. Verse 25, and all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Incredible. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Very sobering uh, statement that crowd made. Um, I mean, if they understood Messiah then actually the cry is the right one, isn't it? You, you want his blood, the blood of Jesus, to be on us. Mm. 
to cleanse us from our sin. But of course, the way in which it was spoken, it was essentially a curse. So it's like the crowd was cursing themselves. And I mean, we talked about it a lot when we talked about Luke 21 and some of the prophecies. Um, But, you know, what, 40 years later, we got Jerusalem being surrounded basically by the Roman armies. Um, I don't know how many people were killed. A lot of people were killed in the city. Uh, people starving, the Romans came in, they literally laid, leveled the Temple Mount where the temple was. They, as Jesus said in the prophecy, not stone, what, not one stone was left upon another. Okay, it was completely flattened. And um, down through the ages, people claiming to be Christians have persecuted Jews with the claim of Christ killer. So accusing the Jews of killing Jesus. Um, and that's why, I mean, even today, uh, you start talking to a Jew, practicing Jew about Jesus, and either their grandmother or their parents taught them that the New Testament is all about how you kill Jews. And I've heard testimonies of Jewish people have come to, you know, they open up at Matthew's Gospel. Hang on a minute, it's talking about Moses and Abraham. I thought this was a book on how to kill Jews. So... Incredible, isn't it? And today we have Christian people, some Christians, uh, Bible-believing Christians that genuinely believe that God has done with Israel, that God is done with the Jewish people. Um, So they would see restoration to the land as being symbolic about a church or something like that. And that that has a phrase, we call that uh, replacement theology. I do not believe in replacement theology. I believe God still has a plan for the Jews without a shadow of a doubt. And I say that because of Paul's writings. I mean, when, when Paul ministered, when he preached the gospel, he would go to the synagogue first and then to the Gentiles. Synagogue first, then to the Gentiles. Synagogue first, then to the Gentiles. And he wrote this in, in uh, Romans 11. Romans eleven twenty five. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. The blindness in part has happened to Israel. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. And he's talking about, of course, Israel is another name for Jacob, so the people of Jacob. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. And he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So there's a, there's a future point where we will see revival amongst the Jewish people. Okay, I think we're seeing green shoots. We're not seeing revival yet. We're seeing green shoots. So if you imagine, I don't know, 70 years ago, there would be... 70? Remember that works? Yeah, that thing that works, yeah. 70 years ago, there'd be no Jewish... Christian assemblies in Israel? None. Zero. Okay, there's some now, depending on who, who you listen to, somewhere between maybe 200 and 300 assemblies now in Israel. Okay, so it's not revival, okay, but it's green shoots. So, with what you see on the media, uh, and depending on who you listen to, it's very easy to start finding yourself in a position where you're maybe hating the Jews. 
please don't hate the Jews. All right? Please don't side with replacement theology. God has a plan for Israel. Okay? We, we can debate what the government of Israel is and isn't doing and all that sort of stuff. Let's leave that to the politicians. But in the midst of all that, please don't find yourself hating Jewish people. Okay? Um, God still has a plan. He still has a plan. And we're the, we're the wild olive branch. The Gentiles are described as wild olives. We're the wild olive branch grafted in. So, yeah. But that, anyway, that should help us pray, okay? Because God does have a plan for the Jewish people. Praise God. Okay, so what have we listened to today? So you've listened to about the power of the crowd and how one person can turn a crowd, or a small group can turn a crowd, so how we can turn a crowd as salt and light in the world. That's the positive. We've heard about Barabbas, and how that's a picture of us and what Jesus has done for us as well, of course, being a real person. And we've learned a little bit about persecution of the Jewish people. Okay, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank and praise you for your word. Lord, I just thank you for the richness of your word and how it speaks to us in so many different ways. And Lord, I just pray for each person under the sound of my voice. And Lord, they will be taking away something different. Something different would have been spoken to each person. And Lord, I just pray that you would really underline that which you want them to hear. And if I've said anything that you want them to forget, Lord, they'll forget it. In Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, uh, I just uh, thank you that, you'd, that we would all have a good week. And Lord, I would just speak your blessing upon the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom and peace. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And the people said, Amen. Amen.